If you're looking to celebrate the holiday season in a meaningful way, consider revisiting the story of the first Christmas. In the newest edition of his book called Why the Nativity, Dr. David Jeremiah looks in close detail at the people and events surrounding that special day. The book and brand new docudrama are yours when you support Turning Point this month with a gift of $60 or more. If you give $100 or more, you'll also receive the correlating CD album and study guide. Donate today at davidjeremiah.ca. For a Christian, the term self-control can be confusing, like something to be mastered on your own. But that has never been God's intent. Today on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah takes a closer look at the virtue of self-discipline and shares some steps you can take for allowing God to help you strengthen it in your life. To introduce the conclusion of his message, A Life of Self-Discipline, here's David. Well, this is a subject, uh, uh, along with some of the others that we've examined during these days, that uh, really challenges us. And there's not one of us that doesn't want to be more self-disciplined than we are. Most everybody has a story of all the things they've tried uh, to create self-discipline, only to end up back in the same place. It's self-discipline. It's us. And when you're a Christian, it's not you, it's the Holy Spirit in you helping you become the person God created you to be. This is a very important lesson, and it is something that's very seldom talked about in our churches, uh, but so very vital if we're going to be the people God wants us to be. And we'll get part two of that in just a moment. Uh, We have two lessons left this month. Um, Those lessons will be a God-inspired life, kind of a wraparound of all the things we've been talking about this month. Don't forget also that right now it's possible for you to go to a special website and find out where you can view the full-length movie, Why the Nativity. Go to whythenativity.org, and there you will find all the information that we have currently as to where this particular docudrama will be seen. We're really praying that God will use this to help people understand the true meaning of Christmas. We all love the traditions, but beyond that and at the core of the meaning is the fact that Jesus Christ came to be one of us. And the story of his birth is one of the great, great revelations that we have in the Scripture. We've tried our best to set that in film so that it will become more than just a story to you, but a life-changing paradigm that helps you understand why Jesus came so that you could know him in a personal way. Please pray that God will use this to change the lives of many people. This is part two now of A Life of Self-Discipline. Beware of good intentions. Looking back over my life, I remember when uh, I would get a spiritual high from reading about somebody else's victory. Have you ever done that? It's called vicarious blessing, and it's a really dangerous thing. It can give you the idea that you're doing something when you're not. The time-worn statement that the road to hell is paved with good intentions perfectly summarizes what I'm trying to say. Don't ever let yourself get into this habit where you read books about other people who have been self-disciplined, and you read them, and you enjoy them so much, and they get in your spirit, and all of a sudden you close the book, and you've got the impression that it was you. And you're just as undisciplined as you were before you started reading the book. Beware of good intentions. And then let me give you the third one, which might be a little convicting, but hang in. I will make it better. Begin working out. 
I know you didn't come to church to hear that. But you don't understand what I mean. I'm not talking about going to 24 Fitness or whatever it is around here. I'm talking about something totally different. When Paul wrote to young Timothy to instruct him in his Christian growth, here's what he said to him. At the tail end of a verse in 1 Timothy 4 is this nugget. Train yourself to be godly. That's what it says. Train yourself to be godly. The word train is actually the word gymnazo from which we get the word gymnasium. Paul was saying to Timothy, just like you go into the gymnasium to train yourself physically, get into the spiritual gymnasium and train yourself to be godly. Over in Philippians, he said it this way, work out your own salvation. In other words, he is saying to us, as he said to Timothy, take what God has given you and then work it out. Develop it, discipline yourself to take it to the max, to the next level. Don't be satisfied to just take what you have. Multiply it, move it forward, get better. And when you see this being lived out, you realize we're way back at the beginning of this message. How many hours of practice? I remember reading in the book Grit, which I've mentioned a couple of times about a swimmer who kept track of all of his practice hours. He was getting ready for the Olympics. He kept every day a log of how many miles he was swimming. And he swam so many miles that he could have swum around the world three times, thousands of miles, for a race that lasted 19 seconds for a temporal crown. But we're in it for the gold. We're in it for something eternal. So we shouldn't be embarrassed to talk about how important it is to be involved. Begin working out. Here's one I love. You're going to love this one too. Talk back to your body. I mean it. Talk back to your body. And you all understand this when I say it. There are days when my body tells me it doesn't want to obey me anymore. Can I get a witness? (laughs) I actually have arguments with my body these days. I talk back to it. My body wants to sleep. I need to get up. My body wants to eat. I've already eaten enough. My body wants to stop exercising. If I stop, I might never start again. My body resists the effort necessary to pray and to read the Bible. I cannot let my body win this battle. My body wants to give up when the going gets tough, but I know I must go on. So I talk back to my body. I say, body, we're getting out of bed right now. The battle with our bodies is not something I made up. Paul said, I keep my body under What he meant was, I discipline my body. I make my body do the things it needs to do so that I can be the person I need to be. I don't know who said it, but someone said it more than 30 years ago because it's been in my spirit that long that our bodies and our souls live so close together they catch each other's diseases. So what that means is when I don't feel good spiritually, I don't feel good physically when I don't care for myself physically, it affects me spiritually. So I talk back to my body. I'm not even ashamed of it or embarrassed by it. And you probably do too. You just won't admit it. Here's the next one. Fast forward your life. This is really critical. When you see 
all of the suffering that our Lord went through, you don't realize that he did that not for what was present, but what was future. He was looking beyond the suffering, beyond the cross, beyond the tomb, beyond the ascension, to the day when he would welcome home all of those who would put their trust in him and be forgiven of their sins. The Bible says it was his goal to bring many sons to glory. And all of that that he went through from his perspective in the human realm, it was worth it because he saw the goal ahead. Most of us, if we're honest, are too easily swayed by instant gratification. It's part of our culture. But most of the good things, and certainly all of the godly things, are things we work toward, and we sublimate the initial so that we can get to the final. I have to honestly tell you that I am not much of a fan of the awards shows that are on television these days. Most of them become an opportunity for people to make political statements. And I have to tell you that every time I turn around, there's a new one. Have you noticed that? Every year, there's new award ceremonies that are in, I don't, they're going to run out of things to award people for if they keep doing this. But a few years ago, I ended up watching the Oscars, and I saw Matthew McConaughey give his speech as he accepted the award for best actor. His acceptance speech was unlike anything I had ever witnessed. Afterward, one of the announcers said he should have been given an additional Oscar for his speech. He began his speech by saying there were only three things he needed every day. Something to look up to, something to look forward to, and someone to chase. And then, quite to my surprise, he unashamedly acknowledged that he looked up to God who has graced, quote-unquote, graced my life with opportunities that I know are not of my hand or of any other human hand. He looked forward to his family, to his deceased father, to his mother who was in the audience that night, to his two older brothers, to his wife Camilla and their three children. But it was the someone to chase part of his speech that I will never forget. When I was 15 years old, he said, I had a very important person in my life come to me and say, who's your hero? And I said, I don't know. I've got to think about that one. Give me a couple of weeks. So I came back two weeks later, and this person comes up, and he says, who's your hero? And I said, I thought about it, and you know who it is? It's me in 10 years. So I turned 25 10 years later. That same person comes to me, and he says, so are you a hero? And it was like, not even close. No, no, no. She said, why? I said, because my hero is me at 35. So you see every day, every week, every month, every year of my life, my hero is always 10 years away. I'm never going to be my hero. I'm not going to attain that. I know I'm not. And that's just fine with me because that keeps me with somebody to keep on chasing. So to any of us, Whatever those things are, whatever it is we look up to, whatever it is we look forward to, and whoever it is we're chasing, to that I say amen, and to that I say all right, all right, all right. (laughs) I was inspired by that because I want to keep getting better at following the Lord. I want to keep getting better at loving my family. I want to keep getting better and growing as a person. When we have a vision for our future, 
self-discipline suddenly becomes a lot more attractive because we see the goal and then what we're going through doesn't seem so hard. Back in 1981, we moved our little family to El Cajon, California from Fort Wayne. After I resigned from my church back there that I had started, I took six weeks between the assignments to travel and just kind of get the old church out of my system and the new one in. And I had a lot of time to think about things and how I was going to reset my life and ministry. Believe it or not, that was 36 years ago. And I want to report to you on one decision I made and how it affected my life. It was a decision that involved self-discipline. And I tell you the story not in any way to lift up myself as somebody special, but just to show you what can happen with one decision. For the first 12 years of my preaching, I'd gather my notes together, my stories and my points. I'd make a little bullet outline, and then I'd give the message. And toward the end of my time in Fort Wayne, I really became concerned that I wasn't as careful with my words as I should be, and that I developed some sloppy habits, including, as my wife would remind me on occasion, using the same phrases over and over again. As I was about to enter this new phase of ministry here at Shadow Mountain, I felt prompted by the Holy Spirit to make a covenant with God that I would write out word for word every message I would preach from that point on for the rest of my life as a pastor. I must admit the first couple of years were tough. I wrote out each message longhand and there was a lady in my office and she typed out my manuscripts. Then I figured I better learn how to use the computer. So I started working on that and I got pretty proficient with the computer. And since then, I have typed out completely every message I've preached with very few exceptions. And that adds up to over 2,500 messages. I have to tell you, at first I struggled like crazy. And there were many days when I wished I hadn't made that covenant. But I'm here to report to you that many blessings resulted from that decision I made with myself and with God. I became more careful with my word choices. Repetitions diminished. A growing stockpile of notes and manuscripts on biblical messages accrued. Then I started writing books based on these messages, and today the number of books is more than 70. Radio and television messages were presented with careful attribution of quotes and stories, and magazine articles and devotional material were harvested from these sermons. And in 2013, we released the Jeremiah Study Bible that has over 8,000 notes, almost all of them entirely derived from sermons that were preserved by writing them out before I preached them. Today, I can imagine giving a sermon or a major talk without first putting it in writing. I guess you could call it a long obedience in the same direction. It was a simple decision. No big deal. I think it was in the car driving around when I decided. But I meant it, and I started to implement it. And when I look back over my shoulder now, I see what God was up to. Oh, I know there's some downsides to all of that, but the upside is so overwhelming. 
And it reminds me that all of us along the way, we're in the process of making decisions, and we sometimes don't realize how important they are. But most of us look back, and we can see moments of defining moments when decisions we made changed everything. That decision changed everything about my life and my ministry. All the things that God was going to do was dependent upon my fulfilling what I committed myself to do. And God is just always looking for a way to challenge us in some significant way just like that. I am finished with these nine characteristics. There's one last message on the power of the Holy Spirit, which may be the most important one of the series. But at the end of these nine characteristics, I want to encourage you. As most of you know, Coronado is one of our family's favorite places. I mention it quite often in my sermons. I just love to drive across that bridge and be in Coronado. Something happens when you drive across the bridge. You leave all your troubles over here, and you go over there, and they're not there anymore. It's a magic thing that we have in California. And we love the beach there, too. I learned recently that Coronado Beach, the Silver Strand Beach, is one of the top five beaches in the world. But the most important thing about Coronado for me is, and all of you guys who are military people, you'll get this, Coronado is the home of the United States Navy SEALs training camp. And when I go there, I always see them, and I hear them sometimes in the middle of the night. And I'm always in awe of them. Recently, a new book about the SEALs was released with this curious title, Make Your Bed. I really resonated with that title before I even knew what was in it because One of the curious things about my life growing up was my mother had this thing about making your bed. Every morning before we went to school, did you brush your teeth and did you make your bed? I didn't like really doing either one of them, but I hated making my bed. So I would always try to skip out. I'd get in a conversation and I'd get out. And my mother got tired of it. And one day, ladies and gentlemen, she came to my school and she pulled me out of school to go home and make my bed. That's a true story. And she somehow managed to get the word out in the school that that's why I wasn't there for those few moments. I mean, it made such an impression on me. When I stay in a hotel now, I make my bed when I get out in the morning, you know. (laughs) Make your bed. I said, I got to read that book. It wasn't anything like what I thought, although it did have something to do with making your bed as an important discipline to get into it. And when you do that, it sets the tone for a lot of other disciplines. But what really impressed me and what I want to leave with you today sort of as the capstone on this nine virtue talk is the end of the book written by Admiral William McRaven, U.S. Navy retired. The book itself is based on a commencement address that he gave at the University of Texas in Austin back in 2014. The speech went viral on the Internet with millions of views. I watched the speech and read the transcript And I hope this brief excerpt will motivate you to read the book as well. It's a great read. And at the end of the book, he talks about his experience as a SEAL. He said, I stood at attention along with the other 150 students beginning the first day of SEAL training. The instructor, dressed in combat boots, khaki shorts, and a blue and gold T-shirt, walked across the large asphalt courtyard to a brass bell hanging in full view of all the trainees. Gentlemen, he began, today is the first day of SEAL training. For the next six months, you will undergo the toughest course of instruction in the United States military. 
I glanced around and I could see some looks of apprehension on the faces of my fellow students. The instructor continued, you will be tested like no time in your life. Most of you will not make it through. I will see to that. I will do everything in my power to make you quit. I will harass you unmercifully. I will embarrass you in front of your teammates. I will push you beyond your limits. And then a slight grin crossed his face, and there will be pain, lots and lots of pain. (laughs) Grabbing the bell, he pulled the rope hard, and a loud clanging noise echoed across the courtyard. But if you don't like the pain, he said, if you don't like all the harassment, then there's an easy way out. And he pulled the rope again. Another wave of deep metallic sound reverberated off the buildings. All you have to do to quit is ring this bell three times. Ring the bell and you won't have to get up early. Ring the bell and you won't have to do the long runs. Ring the bell and you won't have to take the cold swims or the obstacle course. Ring the bell and you can avoid all this pain. Then the instructor glanced down at the asphalt, almost like he had lost his train of thought. And he said, but let me tell you something. If you quit, you'll regret it for the rest of your life. Quitting never makes anything easier. Six months later, said McRaven, at graduation, out of the 150 who enrolled, only 33 graduated. Some had taken the easy way out, some had quit, but my guess is the instructor was right. They would regret it for the rest of their lives. So what I want to say to you at the end of these talks is, listen carefully, don't ring the bell. Don't quit. Some of you are right now in that point where it seems like it's as far across the river as it is from where you started. And it's so easy to get caught up in some of these things that God calls us to do and want to just say, it's too hard. I'm just not going to do this. McRaven was right. There's never any good thing that happens from quitting. And God often tests us. And sometimes right before we were ready to quit, we get through that moment and it's like the horizon explodes in front of us. And we look back and realize if we had quit then, we would have missed everything God wanted for us every opportunity he wanted to give us. And I'm here to tell you, my friends, that I am so thankful that my Lord did not quit. I'm so grateful that when he came to this earth, he saw it all the way to the end. The Bible says he was crucified. He came here and he humbled himself even to death, the death of the cross. There were so many places where he could have opted out Do you remember in the garden when Peter cut off Malchus's ear and the Lord Jesus turned to him and he says, don't you understand that if I wanted to, I could have called 10,000 angels down here, but I didn't do it. The Bible tells us that when he was under the pressure of all of those false trials, all the things that were said, the abusive things that were said about him, and he opened not his mouth. The Lord Jesus didn't quit. He went all the way to the cross. He finished what he started so that you and I could be a part of his forever family. If there is an example of self-discipline and endurance and not quitting, it can only be one person, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. He took it all the way for you and for me. And it's not too much of him to ask of us 
that we take it all the way as well. That we live our lives fully committed to him and we don't quit. By God's grace, I'm going to try not to quit. I'm going to keep going as long as God gives me energy and strength. I want to encourage you to do the same thing. Some of you are working on some of these disciplines. They've been particularly difficult for you. And maybe you're struggling with them right now. Don't quit. If you ask God to help you, he will. Here's the deal. If he didn't quit on you, don't you quit on him. Don't you do it. Amen. You know, um, this is a a cooperative thing. Um, We are to work out our own salvation as God has worked it in. In other words, we don't have anything to offer. But what God gives us, we are to develop. I sometimes say it this way. uh, Who you are is God's gift to you, but what you do with who you are is your gift to him. He has given you this wonderful resource, and he wants you and me to develop that resource to its highest uh, format so that we can make the greatest impact. And again, it's not without the Holy Spirit. He has to enable us to do that. Have you ever prayed, Holy Spirit, Lord God, please create in me the person you want me to be and give me a willing heart to cooperate. Great place to be when you walk with him. Hey, we'll see you next time here on Turning Point. Thank you so much for listening and uh, have a great day as you walk with the Lord. The message you just heard originated from Shadow Mountain Community Church and senior pastor, Dr. David Jeremiah. If God is ministering to you through Turning Point, will you let us know? Write to Turning Point for God of Canada, P.O. Box 18098, Delta, B.C., V4L2M4. Visit our website at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio or call 800-946-4300. Fill your Christmas with meaning and joy with your copies of David's book and new docudrama DVD, Why the Nativity. Each is available for a gift of any amount. You can also purchase the Jeremiah Study Bible in the English Standard, New International, and New King James versions. Available in your choice of cover options. Visit davidjeremiah.ca slash radio for details. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us tomorrow as we continue the series, A Life Beyond Amazing, here on Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah. Turning Point presents the Jeremiah Study Bible, drawing on more than 40 years of study by Dr. David Jeremiah. Take your personal Bible study deeper with unique introductions to each book of the Bible. 55 full-page articles exploring the essential themes of the Christian life. 8,000 study notes with insightful and practical content, an extensive cross-reference system, and helpful sidebars that extend to topics beyond the study notes. You can also take advantage of online resources available to you at jeremiahstudybible.com. Great for individual or small group studies, this Bible is available in the New King James and New International versions in standard or large print, as well as the English Standard Version in standard print with several cover options. For more information or to order your copy, go to davidjeremiah.ca slash jsb. That's davidjeremiah.ca slash jsb. The great English writer G.K. Chesterton applied his Christian worldview to his writings, whether political, fictional, or apologetic. And he did it with a subtlety that did not turn off non-believers. For instance, he once wrote, 
There is one thing which gives radiance to everything. It is the idea of something around the corner. Something around the corner is a wonderful way of describing the Christian notion of hope. The Apostle Paul says that hope does not disappoint because God has poured out His love into our hearts. Hope grounded in God's promises gives us an expectation of a life that is to come. And this is David Jeremiah, encouraging you to get on the road to new life. Discover God's reasons for unfailing hope on Route 66. Route 66, driving the word home. Log on to Route66life.com. Start your journey home today.